Shirley Smith with Bridge the Gap. I uh, just wanted to highlight something that I received from Fruitful Lake, and I applaud them for it. They're sending information about the Black pioneers in the automotive industry and history uh, that we have probably not seen in our history books. And so wanted to highlight that this morning. And also along with the scripture that says, Proverbs 3.27 says, Do not withhold, deny good from those to whom it is due. Uh, when it is in your power to do so. So this is something that we have missed sometimes as a Christian nation. We have missed uh, following scripture and it tells us to plainly do not deny good from those who have done good. And so today we will talk about black pioneers in automotive history. I have a thought that you will learn something about our history in America that is missing from our academic books. Stay tuned. Good morning, this is Shirley Smith with Bridge the Gap. Today, the gap that we are attempting to bridge is that of education within the United States. One of the things that um, has lacked in our academic environments is inclusive history, history and of accomplishments of all Americans, and particularly Black Americans. And so today what I'd like to do is share with you something that I received from AAA, which I thought was really outstanding. Uh, they're doing it in honor of February being Black History Month. I'm doing it in honor of these are accomplishments that need to be in our academic history books uh, so that our children of all American can read about all Americans' contributions to this country. And so there are about four uh, inventors here that I will mention today. And this is compliments again of AAA. And I think they received this from uh, as a courtesy from the Historical Society of Greenfield. So uh, the first one that we'll mention is Cliff Hall. Cliff Hall actually was the inventor and designer for Corin getaway sports cars and so he was born in Los Angeles in 1925. He and his Japanese-American uh, best friend who was Wallace Arima actually designed cars for the soapbox uh, derbies and so he later went on to World War II. On his return he actually came back and he started a photography studio and really the his photography is what got him attention to really do his dream. So sometimes we have to do other things in order to accomplish the dreams that we have because the dreams are sometimes so big that we need funding to actually get those dreams off the ground. And so this is what Hall did is that when he did his photography, it got so much attention for him that he then started to concentrate on creating uh, a car, an automobile that he could actually helped maneuver through city traffic. And so he was able to get the attention uh, in after 1965 Watts riots, he was able to get the attention of Muhammad Ali, Sidney Portier, and Louise Corwin, which was a Beverly Hills businessman. And he was able to get them to, to fund uh, his creation of a prototype of the Corwin getaway, which was uh, the car that he built now, unfortunately, he was not able to get enough funding from other sources 
to actually uh, do mass production of this car. But just to let you know, Hall passed away as late as uh, January 2020. Uh, but a prototype of the Corwin getaway car is actually at the Peterson Automobile uh, Museum in Los Angeles. So there, this is some information that you can have for your children who's working on, on who in history they would like to highlight today. Uh, have them to do some research on Click Hall and also take them to the museum there in uh, Los Angeles, the Peterson Automotive Museum, so that they can actually see the prototype of what he put together there. And then there Now we turn our attention to Leonard Miller, who was the first African-American team owner to win a race in the NASCAR. And so he was born in Philadelphia in 1930. Uh, he also was the one who introduced African-Americans to the world of racing. Uh, he formed the Miller Brothers Racing, uh, which won dozens of races throughout the Northeast from 1969 to 1971. In 1972, uh, he entered, uh, was the first African-American to enter a car in the Indianapolis 500. And so also, uh, he was the first one to enter a black driver in competition in England. Uh, during uh, this time, Miller was created, uh, also created the Black American Racers Association along with Wendell Scott. Uh, it included 5,000 members from 20 states and several racing disciplines. Uh, he then later found the NASCAR Miller Racing Group. First African-American team uh, owners to win a track competition or championship in NASCAR history with a victory at the Virginia Old Dominion Speedway in 2005. He was inducted into the Black Athletes Hall of Fame in 1973. Uh, so his trophies, awards, and memorabilia is housed at the Smithsonian Institute. So that was Leonard Miller. So I would like to read this other scripture that goes along with this. It says, Romans 13 and 7 says, Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. So we honor Leonard Miller today. So we would like to highlight uh, Garrett Morgan, who invented the three-position traffic signal, and this is compliments uh, courtesy of the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. One of the things that um, we would have to think about is how would we actually safely do traffic with only a green and a red light. We, we can't even imagine that because you would never know when the green light was going to stop and the red light would start. And so when do you stop or slow down your car? So if you can imagine not having a third signal position, this is something that uh, Garrett Morgan created. He was an inventor of many different things, things like the hair refiner, as well as the early versions of the gas mask. 
And because of his many inventions, he was one of the first American, black Americans to own a car or automobile in Cleveland. And so one of the things that he did was he developed the T-shaped traffic signal that had a third caution signal. So instead of a caution, say yellow light like we have today, he had a caution signal so that you would know, okay, you're getting warning that this light has been green, but it's getting ready to become red. In other words, you need to stop. So it gives you time to stop and that prevented several accidents, I'm sure. So in 1923, Morgan was awarded a patent for a three-position traffic signal. Uh, He found the Cleveland Call, the most important African-American newspaper uh, in the country, uh, and was also a leader in the NAACP. So we want to highlight Garrett Morgan today, and I have a scripture as well that goes along with this. Galatians 6 and 10 says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So we want to uh, show that we have some standards here in America that we do want to give uh, credit for accomplishments of all Americans, not just uh, our majority Americans, but we want to give credit to all Americans. And we desire that all Americans are included in our history books for all of their accomplishments. Well, let's turn our attention to C.R. Patterson, um, was the founder and forerunner of the first black-owned car company. So C.R. Patterson was born enslaved in Virginia in 1833. Uh, He escaped to settle in Ohio, and he learned blacksmithing. And so he worked at a carriage maker's place. And then later, he co-found his own business in 1873. And for the next 20 years, he actually uh, built and had a business in horse-drawn carriages. And so in 1893, uh, Patterson uh, bought out his partner whom he formed, C.R. Patterson and Sons. So he died in 1910, but his son Frederick continued with C.R. Patterson and Sons, and he noticed that there were less horseless carriages. And so he decided that, okay, we need to look into cars. So. Uh, C.R. Patterson's first car was in, built in 1915, and it was called, they called the company the Patterson Greenfield Automobile. Uh, they sold their first car for $850, and this was comparable to what we understand to the Ford Model T. And to today, uh, there are a few C.R. Patterson & Sons company carriages uh, still surviving. Roberts was the first black car dealership. So um, he's actually out of Kansas City. Uh, He had great achievements uh, outside of owning a dealership in that he was the first black uh, lieutenant 
ranked lieutenant in the United States Army Signal Corps. This was in uh, World War I. And so uh, once leaving war, the, the war, he came home and started selling cars. And so in 1919, he actually had an ad in the Kansas City Star uh, for to sell his cars. And he sold 60 cars that year and mostly to African-Americans. And so in 1923, he was able to hire salesmen. He opened a brand new dealership, and it was named Robert's Company Motor Mart. And later on, he was helped to start a franchise with, well, there were three franchises. So Hupmobile, that's H-U-P-M-O-B-I-L-E, and Rickenbacker and Oldsmobile. Due to the depression of 1929, he did have to close his business down. So, honor to Homer B. Roberts for the first black car dealership. Okay, that brings us to Wendell Scott. He was uh, broke the NASCAR color barrier. Wendell Oliver Scott was born in Danville, Virginia in 1921. Uh, His first job was actually driving a taxi, and then he did moonshine whiskey running. So apparently he had to learn speed, (laughs) speed driving while he was doing that. And so in 1952, uh, he was the first African-American to complete an official stock car race. Uh, He won over 120 races. Uh, However, he was continually denied entry into NASCAR. In 1961, uh, he actually took over the license of a white NASCAR driver. His name was Mike Poston, and that caused him to officially become a member of the NASCAR top-level Grand National Circuit, and so he was the first African-American to do so. He also uh, was the first black driver to win a NASCAR Premier Series event. And that was actually a 100-mile race at the Speedway Park in Jacksonville, Florida. In 1973, uh, he had accumulated 20 top five finishes. Uh, He became a part of the NASCAR Hall of Fame. In 2015, he was inducted as uh, in the, to the Hall of Fame for NASCAR. So, 400 has a list of 495 starts and 32nd on the all-time list. In 1990, he passed away, and another 23 took another 23 years before a second African American, whose name is Bubba Wallace, won a NASCAR race. So honors to both Scott and now Bubba Wallace, who I believe is 27 years old and now is a race car driver. Now we'll take a look at Richard Spikes, who was an inventor. We don't know a whole lot about Richard Spikes' life other than we realize that he was born in the West. Uh, on the west coast of the United States. Uh, I'm not sure which state, but that was about 1878. And then also he uh, eventually relocated his family to the Los Angeles area. 
Uh, but he was an inventor who invented all types of things. So the Milwaukee Brewing Company purchased his design for the Beer Kid Tap, and that was in 1910. And then uh, Pierce Arrow uh, also purchased his invention, uh, Directional Signals uh, Apparatus, which is now used in cars, and that was in 1913. Uh, then also the San Francisco Key Line, uh, which is the Consolidated Electric Railway System, uh, actually implemented his continuous contact trolley pole device. Uh, and also he had uh, the, invented the automatic car wash in 1913. He improved the automatic gear shift uh, on cars. And then he also came up with the... Um, safety brake that was used in many of the buses and trucks in the United States. Uh, he also created um, a drafting machine for the blind because what we do know is that uh, near the end of his life, he was around 84 or so, he started to go blind. So he actually created a drafting machine for the blind. So those were the accomplishments of Richard Spikes. Now our last pioneer for this podcast is Charlie Wiggins. Uh, He was also a race car driver who was barred from the Indianapolis 500. But it's interesting, he was born in 1897. Uh, He lived in Evansville, Indiana. In 1922, he moved to uh, Indianapolis, uh, and that was to, there he built a race car out of nothing but junkyard parts. And as a matter of fact, people refer to it as the Wiggins Special. His dream was to actually participate as a driver in the Indianapolis 500 uh, race. However, he was denied entry because he was African-American. And so what he did was he formed a racing league with other African-American drivers, and they called it the Colored Speedway Association. Uh, It was also nicknamed the Negro Speed King, and that's (laughs) because of all of the fast car driving there. Also. The highlight of the Colored Speedway Association circuit was their annual 100-mile gold and glory sweepstakes that drew crowds in 1924 of about 12,000 people. Uh, Then also, uh, in order to participate in the Indianapolis 500 in 1934, a driver by the name of Bill Cummings asked Wiggins if he would tune his car during the Indianapolis 500 race. And so what Wiggins had to do was actually pose as if he was a janitor. And so during the race, this was to elude basically the Jim Crow laws. So during the race, he would pose as a janitor, but he would come out and work on uh, Bill Cummings' car. And because of that, Cummings won the Indianapolis 500 and set a track record that day. So it's wonderful to know that these people were major contributors to our history in America. 
and they should have their rightful place in our history books and every academic institution within the United States of America because in order to bridge the gaps in education, we have got to include history of African Americans as well as other minorities and what their contributions have been. And we have got to include authors of, who are black authors and other minority authors. Those authors' books need to be included in all of our academic environments, uh, anywhere from elementary school all the way through college programs. And so we want to, you to encourage as you're reading, because I know I'm talking with the readers, as you're reading and sharing this information with your children, when they have to do reports on history, on a particular famous person that they admire. I hope you can choose one of these people that we have highlighted here today and so that they can do research on them and bring them to light in classrooms if they are not in their textbooks. I would leave you with this wonderful scripture passage and this is simple. It says this is Psalm 62. to you Psalm 62, just a portion of it. I'm starting at verse 5. It says, For God alone my soul waits in silence, for my hope is from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rest my deliverance and my honor. My mighty rock, my refuge is in God, trusting him. At all times, O people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. I'm going to skip down to verse 11, and it says simply this, Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God, and steadfast love belongs to you, O Lord. For you repay to all according to their work. I have a thought that you have learned something about history that maybe you have never heard before in America about African Americans who have made major contributions within this country. So I hope you will share this with your children with others who would like to learn more about what contributions African Americans have made. And do not wait for just February because we contributed all our lives, over 400 years, to history in America. So there is no such thing as just African American Month. It's really African American history, period, in and included with American history. And I do hope that you will ask your congressman to make sure that happens in your city and your states. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. You know, let us ask for our academic environments to include all history, history of all of our Americans in America's history. This has been Shirley Smith with Bridge the Gap.
Let's start bridging that gap in education with inclusive historical information. Thank you.